what a celebration family is that we have, that we can celebrate Mother's Day today. I hope that there's joy in what God has given you. And I realize that family is so vital to each and every one of us. I know for myself, as I as Lee and I started our family, we didn't realize what a truckload of emotions would come with a family. Uh, yes, there was love, and then there was concern. And then there's joy, and then there's concern. And then there's just a lot of events and concern. And we have changes in life and concern. See, concern has always been a part of all the other things that's interwoven because when you're a, par a parent, when you're a mom, when you're a dad, our responsibility never ends. It never ends. Today, I'd like us to think about uh, healthy families. I believe that God wants us as Christ followers to, to have healthy families where there's a lot of joy. And when we have healthy families, we certainly will be concerned about them because concern means that we're going to be building, actively building something in our household. Listen to Proverbs 11:29. It says this, whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only win, but the fool will be servant to the wise. See, it's a foolish thing to bring ruin, to bring neglect, to not be concerned about our family. God wants us to be concerned, and that's why we're going to be looking at our passage in Ephesians today on what that family is all about because he gives practical instruction about what it is, what we're to do, how we're to do it. He doesn't leave us trying to figure it out. He has given us practical instruction. And you know, it doesn't matter whether your family is your biological kids, your adopted kids, inherited children, uh, even if you're kind of a, a surrogate parent to somebody in the neighborhood, you have a responsibility in regards to that. And what God wants is health. He wants health. Now, if you think of the family as a cell in the body, then you understand what the church is about. See, every cell in the body is to be a healthy cell. And when you put all these cells together, it forms what is called the church. So we got all kinds of cells in here. And God wants healthy cells so that he can have a healthy church. And so if you're going to attack at the core of the body, you start at the cell. And so it's not just the church that's attacked in general. It's the cell that's attacked. And I believe the enemy is wise. He has wisdom. He understands. He has a battle strategy. And what he's going to do is he's going to attack the cells of family every single time. And I believe he does that because he wants to put disease or cancer within the church. He wants us falling apart. He knows that the church is the hope of the world. He knows that the church is the city that is to be on the hill that's to shine its light. He knows that we are the pillar of truth to society. He knows what the church is all about. So therefore, the enemy is always, always going to attack the family. Now, just as with cancer, there are many types. There are many types of cancer that affect the church. Let me list a few. Some of them are pretty obvious. We know that the cancer of divorce is rampant. We know that 
the divorce rate between people that are lost and followers of Christ is pretty much the same. Barna Research says that there no longer seems to be much of a stigma attached to divorce. It is now seen as an unavoidable rite of passage. Another cancer. Another cancer is redefining what the family is all about. Now we, can, we have Hollywood to thank for this one. They have taken this cause on very, very strong because they want to redefine the family. All you have to do is watch an episode of Modern Family and you realize that a, that a, a family is now two dads or it's two moms or it's whatever you want it to be. We have the cancer of drug and alcohol addiction that's just tearing, tearing the family apart. This past week, my wife and I, close friends of ours, kissed their 24-year-old son goodbye as he died of an overdose. And how tragic it was to be in the hospital and to, see, uh, to hear about over a three-day period over 500 people parading through to say their goodbyes to this young man. There's other cancers. How about this? The cancer of spiritual apathy. That probably is a, more of a temptation for any in each one of us. And this cancer comes with many contributors. There's materialism. There's the busyness of life. There's the unresolved issues that have created bitterness in our life. It's going through the motions of church with really out, without there being a spiritual pulse or a spiritual passion for God. Sometimes it can be laziness. There's all kinds of contributors to this. So this is my question for each and every one of us today. What kind of family am I working to build? What kind of family am I working to build? And make no mistake, God wants each of us to intentionally build families. And if you don't have a family yet, you will possibly, or you will help come alongside of other families. But we will work at it together because we are the body of Christ. Today we're going to look at the family in our passage in Ephesians and I want our hearts to be open to instruction of what that healthy family should be about. Let's have a word of prayer at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so good to us. We thank you, Father, that you give us the wisdom of your word. Help us, Lord, to be able to use your word to see our lives. Help us to be the kind of people that you want us to be. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be learners, Help us to take your word and apply it to our hearts. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning I have a few guests, and I'll explain our guests here in a, in a few minutes. But we're going to be taking a look at Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. But we're also going to look at, review some of the verses we covered last week. But we're going to cover the husband-wife relationship from this aspect of family. So we're going to look at it from fa the family aspect, okay? But then we're going to look at the kids and God's instruction to children as well. And uh, if you're a child, uh, in, raise your hand. That should be everybody, okay? So it does apply to you still, okay? You at one time were a child. Um, and, 
and you still, many of you still have parents, so it does apply. But I've invited the Chandler family. Some of you guys don't know the Chandlers, but we got Josh and Joey, we got Michaela, Mackenzie, and Miranda. Okay, um, Bethany, Bethany, Bethany. What did, what did I say, Michaela? Mackenzie. Where'd she come from? <laughs> I know, I just added somebody to your family, Bethany. Very good. <laughs> So we're going to consult them here in a little bit. They're going to be our uh, family of uh, expertise today, okay, because they got it all down completely. So we're going to talk, uh, I'm going to hit Joey first, okay, Joey Chandler's, I'm going to come to her in a minute with a question. I will give you this mic and then you can pass it on to your husband next, okay. So, but first let's take a look at a review of last week. Chapter 5, verse 27 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, what you need to know here is that Paul is going off of something he had just said in verse 21. He had just said, I made a general statement to everybody. He says, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And because he said that, he's going to address different people. He's addressing the wives and the husband and the children and how we are to have a submission to one another. And so it says, wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. So if you weren't here last week, let me just give a brief review. The word submit is a military term that means to fall under rank. Now this word, spe this word speaks to more of a authority and order than it does value. When we fall under rank, in, in, uh, we are listening to those that are above us. Now we see examples of this in the scripture. We see it with Adam and Eve. Eve was to fall under rank of her husband. In all reality, we see submission in the Godhead. We see that the Son falls under rank of the Father and the Holy Spirit under, under the Son. So we see rank in the Godhead and we also see uh, rank or, or order in the home. So the wife is to fall under submission to her husband. Now, if we, if this is a military command, so if we look at it from a military standpoint, we realize that there's low-ranking officers and there's high-ranking officers. The high-ranking officer is not more important than the low-ranking. It just means that they have different roles and responsibilities. In all reality, the high-ranking officer has more responsibility because they have somebody over them that they're answerable to and the soldier is to listen to carry out the orders. Now, think of that in terms of the family. The husband is accountable to God. He is accountable to God for what happens to his family. Now, some people think of submission in a bad way. Well, I want you to know that if there's, in all reality, there's more submitting that the husband does than the wife does. Because the husband has to submit to one another in the body, like we all do. He also has to submit under the Lord in terms of his own walk, but he also has to give an account for his family. God is going to go to the person he has put as the head, as the person that's going to be answerable for what happens in their family. Now the wife's job is to simply fall under the leadership of her husband, showing him respect that is so vital to the relationship. Now I'm not going to camp out on respect you can go back to last week's message, 
But her role is absolutely vital that she is able to show that respect. Respect is the outcome of submission. Now, Joey, I want to get your input. Now, for all of you, I'm coaching you here. The mic has to be held on your chin in order for anybody to hear you. So if you don't want anybody to hear you, just hold it out here. But I want everyone to hear you. Joey, what have you learned about really respecting your husband? How many years have you been married, Joey? We've been married 17 years. Okay, so I guess you're getting into that uh, credibility stage, okay? Uh, what have you learned about respecting your husband? Um, probably the biggest thing that I've learned is that by showing him respect, ultimately that is showing him how much I love him um, and that I appreciate the hard work he does for our family. Um, and the biggest thing I, also that I want to teach the girls would be that by showing respect to him that I am ultimately putting him at that spot as head of the household and that I understand that his decisions are something that we all fall under and that I trust him. The biggest thing is is that after 17 years that I've learned that I, I can trust him with all of our lives and the decisions that he makes. Okay, thank you, Joey. That actually brings us to our, our first healthy tip and the healthy tip for all the ladies is this, is that the pattern of respect that you show is an example to your daughter or daughters. And so please be mindful of that. Be cognizant of the fact that you're, you're leading an example. Well, let's take a look at the husband. In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's in verse 25. Now the key word there is love. Now by way of review, remember, the word love is agape. This is an unconditional, it is a sacrificial servant type of love. It is the most tender type of love that anyone could ever demonstrate or express. Now it says in Colossians 3.19, uh, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The word harsh means to make bitter. Now, What's interesting is the context in which Paul is writing these letters. He's writing it in Jews living in the midst of a Roman's world. And some of the Jewish men had picked up on some of the, the habits that were true in the, Romish, in the Roman world. The Roman world, they lived as authoritarians. Women were second-class citizens. Submission was e wasn't even, I mean, it was on a whole different level. It was putting people down. It was putting the woman down. Really, the woman's job was to, I won't hit you. I won't. I know I'm very expressive, but yes, you're safe. You're safe. <laughs> The, the woman's job was just to meet the needs of the man. That's really why the woman existed in the Roman world. And some of the Jewish people had picked up on these traditions of the Roman environment that they lived in. And so when the gospel came around and when Jesus came around, it was liberating to the women. For Paul to actually pin these kind of words was incredible that the husband would love their wife, agape, with a tender care. This was unheard of. The transformation of mind that the gospel brought about was incredible. All of a sudden, you saw these men who once were these authoritarians, who, who basically the woman was to be seen and not heard, all of a sudden, they were exalting and were valuing them on a whole different level. 
Men, that's exactly what we're to do. It's kind of like how we would handle a Stradivarius violin. Now, some of you have no idea what a Stradivarius violin is, and I didn't know until I researched it. Um, and the, this violin was made in the 17th and 18th century, and according to their reputation, there has not been a sound equal to the Stradivarius violin. In 2010, the 1697 Molitor Stradivarius violin, which was rumored to be owned by Napoleon, and that's not Napoleon Dynamite, it's the uh, guy from the past, okay? It was auctioned off at $3,600,000. Now let me just say, if you or I owned a violin like that, we would take and we would handle it with such care. We would have it in its own glass case. And when we handled it, we'd make sure our hands were washed. And, and if you let someone else handle it, it was, would be with the utmost care and attention. You would never take that Stradivarius violin and give it into the hands of a gorilla. That's why, girls, you are so precious, your daddy will never let you get into the hands of a gorilla of a guy, okay? He has to make sure they've evolved into a human being, okay? That's the only kind of evolution I believe in. Guys, boys, evolving into human men, gentlemen, okay? But sometimes, even we as men could have a, a gorilla mindset with our wife. I'm speaking to some men, and I hope this isn't true of you, but there are some that have developed an attitude, a guerrilla attitude with our wives. Their wives, have your wife has become more of a fixture in your life. You've taken her for granted. You're no longer wooing your wife. You're no longer going on dates. You're no longer treating her with the respect as a teammate. And whether you realize it or not, you're, you're mistreating her as a gorilla would with a Stradivarius violin. And God says, no, I don't want you to do that. Our wives are so special that we treat them with the utmost care and respect. And when we do, we'll have healthy families. We'll have healthy relationships. So here's our healthy tip number two. Men... We're setting examples for our sons. Just like the wives are setting examples for their daughters, we are setting examples with, for our sons. You know that because like when your kid was two, he wanted to shave just like daddy shaved. And all of a sudden, he's picking up your mannerisms. He's doing the same things that you're doing. Whether you realize it or not, he's picking up your hot temper, he's, if you have that. Or whatever your quirks are in life, he's picking it up. Your child is picking it up. We are passing on a legacy to our kids, so we have to be intentional in what we're teaching by the example that we're setting. Josh, I'm going to ask you, what have you learned about the power of love in your marriage? That it's a process. Um, I, mean, I, I guess I would say it, it comes down to understanding your wife's love language. And I think that took me a really long time to appreciate that she doesn't love uh, or receive love maybe the same way that I do. And I think as beings, we're, we're naturally um, drawn to show love in the way that we would, would best receive it. Um, and I know for, for many years early in our marriage, you know, I would feel like I was doing a great job. And um, just 
it was that cycle that you talked about last week, the love and respect cycle. Um, there wasn't as much respect being received um, in response to the love that I thought I was showing. Um, and I think the most important thing for me came when we actually started talking about that. And it wasn't me assuming that I was giving her the type of love that she would receive best. And it wasn't her sitting in the corner saying, why isn't he loving me the way I needed to be loved? It was once we really started talking about that and saying, well, I appreciate you doing that for me, but what I really need is some quality time. And you're so busy at work that I, I'm, just not, I'm just not feeling that. And so I think that was, that was huge. That, was it easy for her to tell you that? No, it took many, many years for us, I think, to get to the point where we were open enough to just talk about that and, and to kind of put the pride aside and say, hey, this is what I really need. And, and knowing that this is what I really wanted to give her, um, I think that was, that was, that was huge. I know I, I got a subtle hint once. Uh, I got a, a letter in the mail from my wife asking if we could talk. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I knew it was time. I knew it was time for us to do that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, let's move on to the kids. Now, uh, we're going to ask Bethany, Miranda, and Ma Michaela here in a moment, okay? But first, the passage in chapter 6, verses 1 to 3 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Now, it's interesting, this is a, a second grouping of relationships where submission has to take place, and he uses two key words here. He uses obey, and he uses honor. Now, the word obey means this, to listen and to act upon the guidance that is given. To act upon the guidance that is given. Now, it says that we're to do this in the Lord. So that means that you guys don't get to pick and choose what your parents tell you. Now, it has to be within the sphere of the Lord. So if your parents ask you to do crack cocaine, you can say no. Okay, you can do that. If they tell you to do something that's absolutely wrong, you can say no, because I'm following Jesus' orders at that point. But I don't believe your parents will do that. Now, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, excuse me, in the Old Testament, if a child was disobedient on a regular basis, they would stone them to death. Are you happy that that doesn't happen anymore? Yeah, it's a good thing, because I think I would have been dead a long time ago. But the fact is, what God was saying in that is that obedience is of such value to him that he felt like there had to be a, a severe consequence under the law to the Jewish children. Now what he was trying to do is he was trying to say that if we can learn to submit when we are children, then we will be able to submit later on in life. And that's going to lend to your success in life. It's going to lend to your success in working under in a business where you're working for somebody or working with your husband or working with, uh, you know, with a teammate. And so that's what God is trying to teach in terms of obedience, and it makes you a light to a lost world. Now, the word honor means this. Uh, the word honor means to have great value. Now, it's interesting, verses 2 and 3, when he says, Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. It's taken from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5, 16, and Exodus 20, 12, the Ten Commandments. It's the fifth of the Ten Commandments. 
In other words, what the child is to do is to show respect and love to their parents and to bring honor to them in the way that you guys live. Now note that this is the only command that was given out of the Ten Commandments that was given with a promise. It was a promise that God will give you long life, a quality of life that you live in the promised land. Now for us, Paul's applying it to on earth. He will give us a quality of life. Why? Because we're not doing the things that are wrong and our parents are giving guidance for that which is going to help us and it will protect us and not harm us and help us in the long run. Now I'm going to give a couple healthy tips to these guys and to all people that are children. Number one, take the good and forgive the bad from your parents. Take the good and forgive the bad. I don't know if you realize this, but we're all fallible people sitting in this room. We're all fallible people and we're all going to do things that are wrong. But in, when we obey our parents, we're listening to our parents, we're learning from our parents, and someday we're going to leave the home and then we're going to be a parent ourselves. And whether you realize it or not, you will start to take all the things that you learn from your parents and somewhere you'll do an assessment. And as you do that assessment, you think, okay, this is what I keep. This is what I'm going to, uh, going to keep in my life and apply to my own children. But there are certain things that I need to just forgive. I'm not going to try, I'm going to control my anger. I'm going to control this. Things that I didn't like that I saw in my parents. Forgive it. Number two, healthy tip number two is always show honor to your parents. The reality is you're going to be showing honor to them until they're gone. That's a very, very long time. We are responsible as, as children, and if you have parents that are alive, then this applies to each one of you. We're to show honor to our parents. That's what the scripture has taught us. It starts when we get out of college and we're going to get married. Honor your parents by asking their blessing. Get their blessing. When you're in the busy, busyness of life, don't forget to spend time with your parents. When you're producing children and all of a sudden you want child care workers and your parents seem to be available, okay, ask them. But remember, they're your children, not theirs. They raise their kids. Be respectful of their time. Also, when your parents get old, and they will, and when they get to the place where they cannot care for themselves, Timothy tells us that it'll be your turn. It'll be your turn to care for them as they cared for you in life. In fact, Timothy says, anyone who does not provide for his own household in this way is worse than an unbeliever. That's what God wants. So for my daughter, she now knows she has to take care of me when I get old and cantankerous. Okay, she knew that already. You guys got to do that for them, okay? Now, Bethany, Miranda, and Michaela, I'm going to pass the mic over to you guys. What do you think, why do you think God says that you should obey your parents and everything? What do you think? Hold it on your chin so we can hear you. Um because that they know what's right for you and they're just trying to protect you. Okay, very good. What other input do we have? Anybody else want to speak to that? Just that, like whatever they're telling us to do is going to work out for our benefit in the end. Okay, do you believe that all the time? 
Most time, yeah. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Okay, very good. Um, when do you find this most difficult? Bethany, I want you to address that. Okay, when do you find it most difficult? Put it up to your chin there. Um, probably when I want to do something and they are telling me no because they don't think it's a good idea. Okay, do you ever have a difficult time, Miranda? Um, I found, find it like most difficult when they ask you to go up in front of the congregation and speak <laughs> and you really don't like being the center of attention. <laughs> and it's your birthday. <laughs> it's your birthday. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. How about that? Very good. You're doing a great job. Okay. I want to get your input on that. Okay. Last one. Okay. When do you find it difficult? Um, I find it most difficult when, like, I really want to do something, but they say no, and I have to respect that because they know that it's good. Okay, yeah, it's always hard to be told no, isn't it? There's something in our flesh that's like, yeah, I want what I want when I want it. So I understand that. I've been there. Uh, pass that on to your parents. Well, let's address the last, the last grouping that God gives us as parents, uh, addressing them as fathers. He says in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Now, although this verse is addressing fathers, it could be, uh, it could be stated that parents with the understanding that dad is the leader. So it's just addressing the father as the leader of the home. And he says, don't provoke. Don't provoke. Now, the key word is provoke, which means to embitter or to irritate. Now, I have to take this one to heart because I love irritating my children, but I have to make sure that I don't go too far with it. There's certain irritation that says it's, it's, it's okay. No. Okay. He says don't irritate. Okay. I'll listen. He says also in Colossians 3, it says this, that we are not to provoke our children because they'll become discouraged. The word discouraged means to take away courage from. If we're encouraging, we're putting, we're breathing courage, we're, we're putting wind into the sails of our kids. But when we're discouraging, we're, we're taking that courage away from them. Now, in reality, what Paul is doing is he is saying discipleship begins at home. You as parents have a responsibility of discipling your kids and bringing them up in the admonition of the Lord. And Paul's being real. There's going to be times that parenting is going to be difficult. The, what is the reason that parents might want to embitter or parents might become uh, want to discourage? It's not because they want to. It's because they're frustrated. It's because parenting is difficult. I don't know if, if you don't have children yet. I want you to know that you might have a romantic idea of kids, but it is hard work. It's difficult. When you come home and your son is almost blown off his, all the facial hair off his face because he thought, I could put aerosol in a, a bucket and light it and see what happens as I look over it. That's what one of my boys did. And you look at them and you say, what's wrong with you? What got into your mind? But this is what parenting does. Here's the deal. Obedience cannot be the condition that we set to love them completely. Get that. Obedience cannot be the condition that we set to love them completely because they're going to disobey. They're going to disappoint. Our discipleship is unconditional love. 
we tend to provoke and take courage away from our kids when they act in ways that we don't like. And then we say things like, you're never going to amount to much, or you disappoint me, or you are so stupid. Sometimes we can say that, and yes, we regret those words. Now the positive message here is that God wants us to patiently disciple and in discipleship discipline our kids and help them have a vision of what they can be someday. We're the refining part. Remember Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron? Well, that's what your parents are. They're sharpening you. And every time there's friction, it's not a bad thing. It just means they're helping you. They're helping you. Now, healthy tip number five is this. Parents, if our kids are going to obey and honor us, then we must give them godly instruction. When Lee and I started out our family, we realized that we were doing a lot of things wrong. We were doing things like counting. Get over here, Sarah. One, two, two and a half, three. We were counting. We were bargaining with our kids. If you do this, I'll give you this. And we were yelling. Then we took a parenting class and realized that we were doing everything wrong. We realized that, first of all, God doesn't count with us. He doesn't say, Stephen, get over here. I want you to obey me right now. One, two. He doesn't do that. God doesn't bargain with Stephen. He doesn't say, now, Stephen, if you do this, I will give you that new car you want. He doesn't do that. And we also learned from, from Proverbs 15:1 that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So there's no more losing control in order to gain control. Now, I know there's a lot of young parents that are like, well, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. I mean, did, does he know? Does he know? No, I don't know your situation. I just know that that's what we did. We needed help. We got, a, we got help. We, went to, we got some resources. We read Baby Wise and Child Wise by Gary and Anne Mariezzo. It helped us. Some of you might read Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I just want you to know that we have a responsibility as parents to give guidance. Now, before I go to Josh and Joey, I want to say this. We have a, an incredible children's ministry here at Mission View. And our ministry is to help supplement what you do. We want to encourage and train your kids in, in support of what you're hopefully training them at home. I will say that we need help in the children's ministry. In the second hour right now, in order for the commons time, for us to be able to have the equipped class for the youth ministry to continue, we need four people to help out with preschool. We need four people to help out with uh, the elementary age. Please, if you can do that, if you can help, call Kelly, email her, kelly at missionviewchurch.org. That would be very helpful. Do it today. Josh and Joey, why is it so important that you train and encourage your children? Probably mostly because of that, uh, that accountability and responsibility I have to God in that area, right? And I guess for, for us, we kind of, kind of by, by example, I guess, the three things that we always try uh, to strive for in our, our kids, and one of them came from a, a mentor of mine, and that is that we're, we're not trying to, to raise good kids, we're trying to raise good adults. And so kind of like you had hinted at, it's not so much about the obedience right now or having them look exactly like we want them to look right now or act like we want them to act in a restaurant, which I know is always fun for us. 
Um, it's more about the long-term goal. This is a marathon, not a sprint, right? Um, it's about teaching them the godly principles now and modeling that for them, because like you said, they are watching um, and, and showing them what that should look like later in life. Not that we're, we're perfect in that by any means, but, but that being the goal. Um, the second thing I think, and this comes with you know, not exasperating your children, is, is don't say no when you can say yes. I mean, I think a lot of times we, we automatically just say no because we don't want to get off the couch or because we're tired. Or, um, so I think that's, that's the second thing. And then maybe the third biggest thing for us, and this is kind of the, the biggest mantra of our parenting, is, is teaching them that their choices have consequences and that those consequences don't just impact them but they impact everybody around them, their friends, their family. Um, and that just holds them accountable to more than just their selves or their own selfish ways, right? Um, there's an impact. There's an impact to us potentially grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a spiritual aspect to it too. And I think that's, that's kind of our focus. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Well, I'm going to dismiss you guys now. Thank you for your help. I appreciate it. And uh, let's let them know that we appreciate that. I'll take the mic. Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to take communion, but I want to just leave you with six tips uh, for parent for building your family. And here they are. Step number one is create an environment safe within your family. Um, we are to provide a, a protection of a moral innocence of our kids in the world that we live in today. Um, it's good when our kids see mom and dad showing affection to one another. It's good that our kids learn what these healthy boundaries are. There's a good book, Gary Smalley has, The DNA of Relationship. I recommend that. Number two, find ways to share life experiences together. Going to church together is valuable. We're, we're training our kids. Uh, spending time at the dinner table with our families is absolutely valuable. Going camping, going on vacations, and things like that. These are absolutely essential. Number three, establish and, re and respect healthy boundaries. Boundaries are basically letting our kids what, know what the rules of the games are, what the game is, what is inbounds and what is out of bounds. And parents, we need to do that with our kids. I wish I could spend more time on all of these because we could develop them. Number four, seek to resolve conflicts in a healthy way. Yelling and screaming is not going to do it. Um, we need to be able to sometimes take a time out with our kids, uh, one kid to another. Sometimes the parents need the time out. It's, we need to do it in a healthy way. Number five, affirm each other on a regular basis. Put Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 around your house on note cards. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for the building up of others. And of course, affirming is verbal and nonverbal. Step six is play as often as possible. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine. Have fun. Sometimes we can take life too seriously and not have enough fun with our families. That's really important. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to apply the truth of your word to our lives. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to honor you in everything that we do and everything that we say. Help us to be the parents that would really love our families and guide them well. In Christ's name, amen.